Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran, author of Owning It, the Confidence Kit and my new book, Naked, 10 Truths to Change Your Life, which is all about exploring the power of vulnerability. Available now in all good bookstores and some crappy ones too. Thank you so much for, for coming back to me for this episode. I'm so excited to share it. I sat down, well, virtually with the amazing Greg O'Shea, who you will know as the winner from Love Island. Greg is also a rugby player here in Ireland with Rugby Sevens and he's a big social media superstar now as well Um, but he's really really genuine authentic guy who has been through a lot coming out the other side of Love Island. We all know that there has been some mental health stories surrounding Love Island itself and the pressures that go with reality TV. I can't imagine what it's like to be dealing with. Well, Greg shares everything with me here. He's so open and kind to share his experience. And he also has some really amazing advice and it's really well worth the listen. I hope you get something from it. I learned a lot from Greg in this and I think he also learned a little bit more about the spectrum of anxiety that we can all dip in and out of from time to time. So do listen, subscribe and review and enjoy. Thank you, Greg, so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I know that we've been meaning to chat for a while and you were very busy with your law exams, which I believe you passed. It did, yeah. I don't know how I pulled it off, but I got uh, half of my law exams done. So it's a little bit of a positive out of lockdown with nothing else going on. Absolutely. Like that's a huge achievement, something to show for lockdown. Whereas at the beginning of lockdown, there was so much pressure to like learn a new language or, you know, take on something new. And it's hard enough just kind of existing right now, I think, for a lot of people. So, So fair play to you for that. Oh yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, I'd be kind of just kind of getting itchy feet, like you know, I felt like I had to do something, and I always had that in the back burner that um, I always kind of wanted to challenge myself and do the FE1 law exams, and I was like, sure, there's nothing else going on in the world at the moment with so many hours to to burn. So I said I'd give it a crack, and luckily I passed half of them. So now I'm like, oh, I have to do the other half now, which is the issue, but. No uh, it's, I'm good. I'm good bit down the road anyway, which is I'm very lucky. Lucky to have it done. Do you want to like start practicing law professionally? Then is that the, is that the plan? To be honest, Caroline, no. Um, I don't actually have much of a desire for law. Um, which is a weird thing. I just kind of did it in college just to kind of do a degree, and I got it done. So I have my law degree, and then I said I'd do the FE ones just to kind of challenge myself. 
obviously I was lucky enough to go on to Love Island and get that going and that kind of side of things. So like the new world of uh, online stuff like Instagram and, and YouTube and all those brand deals and things like that, which is very lucky to get. So I've gotten a kind of taste of that world and presenting and things like that. And I have my rugby going on. So like that stuff's really stuff I'm really passionate about and I enjoy. So why don't I throw the kitchen sink at that, try my absolute best. And if that doesn't work out, then I can fall back and be a solicitor maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's an amazing thing to fall back on. But to go from the madness of, of Love Island, I know you were you were only on it for a short time. And then, like you said, there are just all the opportunities coming at you with media, social media, um, all these kind of brand collaborations. And of course, rugby, to suddenly have it all switched off when the pandemic hit. Considering how busy you were, was that like a bit of a welcome rest for you? Yeah, it was initially kind of a welcome rest. We were lucky enough in my year in Love Island that we got all the end of 2019 and the start of 2020 to kind of capitalize on it initially. I feel really sorry for the people that did the Christmas Love Island because they got they got nothing really um, straight into pandemic. But uh, it was a welcome break. I feel like everyone probably felt like it was a welcome break, that the world has stopped and everyone was forced to take a break for a couple of weeks. Um, but it kind of got to the stage now where, where I'm just very... I struggle to sit down and relax. Like, I always feel like I have to be doing something. Even if I take like two days off, I'm like, all right, now what, what am I doing? What's the next thing to do? And that's just kind of what my personality is. So after a couple of couple of weeks, I was definitely ready to get back to the real world. And we're not even there yet, unfortunately. Yeah, oh God, no, I know. I think we thought it was going to be like two weeks last March and here we are like facing into the next March. I know you said to me, you know, you haven't really experienced anxiety, anything like I suppose what I experienced, which was pretty crippling and you know stopped me from living my life but I think we all have pockets of overwhelm and anxiety in our life so I'm just wondering with the pandemic you know we're all facing such a genuine threat has it ever gotten under your skin just the fact that we're in this situation and being in isolation how has that impacted on your thought processes and stuff yeah the whole thing with uh, anxiety is that I feel like I don't understand anxiety and i feel like I'm mislabeling it or I don't I think a lot of people mislabel it and don't understand what it actually is in my opinion my personal opinion I feel like maybe someone like yourself or a couple of my mates who say they go through anxiety and they have proper attacks I can see it in them I'm like okay there's something going on here that other people say the anxiety and they're just they don't seem to be having an attack so I don't know I feel like it's a very hard area to understand that's why I'm kind of very nervous to talk about it because I don't know if I do experience anxiety or is it stress or is it um do you know what I mean yeah, well, let's like figure that out because I think for so many people, stress just turns into anxiety. That's what it was for me. You know, I wasn't I wasn't going around having panic attacks all the time. It was stress that I just kept pushing against and ignoring. And it's like your body is trying to tell you this is too much for me. This is a, like we need to take a step back here. And if you ignore that for long enough, your body kind of turns up the volume on it. And then for me anyway, threw in these moments of panic and, and feeling like I just couldn't cope. And that kind of pushed me over into the area of, of anxiety. And you're right, like it is a word that's bandied about a lot. I think we kind of throw it around quite flippantly, but there is a spectrum there. You know, it's not, you're not just someone who suffers with it and, and can't cope at all. And someone who doesn't have it entirely. We all have a stress response and that stress response has been put under the test massively at the moment because we're all facing a very genuine threat that our body is trying to protect us against, you know, and then you throw in other anxieties, you know, like day-to-day stuff, like worrying about well, how it's going to impact your career. How's this impacting relationships? And suddenly people who think, oh, I'm not an anxious person, or I don't suffer with that, feel a little bit like they're just you know, barely treading water. So I think there's a whole spectrum there. I think that we all sit on somewhere. Yeah, that kind of makes a bit more sense for me now that you say it. Um, I've never really kind of delved into the topic because I was so afraid about like offending people and asking questions about it. Why were you afraid? Because I feel like if I wasn't like empathetic towards it, 
And I I was like, but sure, that's only kind of a daily stress. That can't be anxiety. And then I see someone who I know someone very close to me who gets like who it manifests physically in them and they literally like can barely speak and they're freaking out. And I'm like, okay, there's obviously something different here between these two people, but you you've just explained it to me there that there's a spectrum that like a minimal daily stress can be some form of anxiety and absolutely freaking out and not being able to speak and talk could be anxiety as well. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the kind of daily stress. You know, there's such a thing as optimal stress and optimal anxiety, which I'm sure you've experienced, you know, before going on the rugby pitch, where it's like a little bit of stress to actually help you perform. But when we spend too long outside of our comfort zone, it can start to wear down your ability to be like rational and reasonable. So it just can very easily happen for people. I myself don't really like the idea of a label like, oh, I'm someone who suffers from anxiety or and I know people do do use those labels and it's fine. But like I said, for me, I'm just a person with a with a beating heart and a stress response. Sometimes in life it has gone way overboard and my body was trying to protect me in situations that it didn't really need to protect me from. And sometimes it's settled back down and it's fine. And everything that you do for your mental health and your well-being is keeping you at that, that nice spot where it doesn't get the better of you. So we're all kind of interacting with it daily, but some of us are just managing it a little bit better than others. And for some of us, it just gets way past the point of being able to cope before we even know what's going on. So that's kind of it for me. Okay, yeah, you're kind of making really good sense of it there now for me. So I'd say in my personal experience in that when I feel myself getting stressed or worked up or say upset about like finances or relationships or I have like certain things I do little things that always like calm me down and reset me and help me go again and I don't really let it prolong it might be like for a couple hours and then I'm, I kind of go back to where I was so maybe I've just kind of figured out um, as I've grown up just ways of dealing with that myself and I've never kind of let myself get to the stage where um, I feel like I'm about to lose it you know what I mean? That's amazing, but you have awareness. That's what another question I wanted to ask you was I saw that you were you were on Twitter talking about, you know, how how much stuff we learned in school, like theorems and bloody simultaneous equations <laughs> that mean like jack shit in my life now anyway. Um, and how useful it would have been to have had an understanding like what we just talked about there of even how stress can turn into anxiety. So I'm just I'm curious, was there something that made you become aware of your mental health or is it just the kind of conversation happening in the public sphere that made you think, hang on, like, where am I at? How am I coping? Or maybe maybe I'm coping and I didn't even realize I was. Yeah, I said I said that on Twitter, and I definitely offended a few people. But it's my, it's like it's my really? opinion from from yeah. If you look through the replies, some people got very upset, being like, obviously, I think there are people that are in in the education system and teaching it, and they probably wrote the syllabuses, so they're probably getting a bit offended by my tweet saying I feel like sitting down and learning off poetry and terms off by heart doesn't really apply to an everyday life. Like it was so funny. I'm kind of going off topic here a little bit, but um, so my sister just had a baby like similar to yourself yeah. and um, little fella, unfortunately I haven't met him yet because of restrictions, Aww. but he had colic and my sister's only, she's only 26. And she was like, no one ever taught me how to deal with a baby that has colic. Like she's like, I don't know what's going on. And then, so for instance, in my life, I um, it's so silly, like, but say the radiator was broken, I had to figure out how to how to bleed it, and then I had to change wiring in my <laughs> in my lamp, and then I had to try and figure out to do my tax returns. And we were just kind of having this conversation. I was like, why doesn't anyone ever teach us this stuff? Like, and then that kind of leads to also stress and mental health and that kind of stuff. So, and then that kind of started in my head, being like, I don't understand why school doesn't teach you everyday things that really help you in life when you when you get out of out of school into everyday life so that's kind of what sparked it 
I completely agree. I'm only focused on like helping an individual person. Like maybe you're feeling anxious. How can you help yourself? But something needs to happen on a wider level so that we all understand it so we can kind of see it coming down the tracks before it gets to us. Like what you said about your sister there, like I've been in the exact same boat where I was like, holy shit, I was so prepared for giving birth. No idea what was about to come next. You have no skills. It's all new. And there's nothing happening in the education system for these very basic things that would make our mental health better so you've obviously touched a nerve but I completely agree with you and I think you're right yeah thanks very much and a lot of people I've spoken to individually are like you're so right man like that it is like they don't teach you these things well from our experiences in school anyway they didn't teach us that maybe it's starting to change now in everyday life um but even the fact the kids are at home now sitting in front of laptops every day it's even more like prevalent their mental health issues so I feel like I kind of started being more aware of my mental health and what was stressing me um, as I got out of school. I don't know, maybe it's just the teenage years. I was kind of just away with the fairies and just kind of enjoying every day where stuff, your dinners are cooked for you, stuff's done for you. When I got out into the real world and moved out of home, I was like, oh God, okay, what's going on here? And I kind of just developed processes myself um, that's kind of helped me deal with deal with everyday life and just kind of figuring things out and staying calm and asking questions where there's questions to be asked. Like You kind of find out by talking to people that everyone really has the same kind of stresses and everyone's kind of worried about something so speaking up about it um has definitely helped me in asking for help which is great yeah and obviously you mentioned there having some close friends who have like been having a hard time and to see someone like you talk openly about mental health is is so crucial for people you know who are maybe thinking oh this doesn't fit with the idea of being like in my 20s a lad playing rugby that kind of thing so it's really important to normalize it yeah, hundred percent. And I get I get a lot of messages off uh, young lads um, reaching out to me on on Instagram, being like, "Man, how do you do it? How do you stay so positive? How do you have all this going on in your life?" And I try to get back to all of them as I can, but. What I kind of annoys me about that is that, well, not annoys me, but say I have a very positive kind of um, image on Instagram and it's very kind of, I'm trying to send out positive energy to kind of help people. But then people automatically think that's me 100% of the time and that I'm just happy all the time and everything's good. So I just, I'd really like for them to know that. And this is what I say back to them personally. I'm like, I'm like, man, I worry about stuff every single day. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a couple of months. I get worried about relationships, my finances, jobs coming in. Like, for instance, I have absolutely zero job security at the moment like i my instagram could crash tomorrow and i i have no income coming from there rugby they pay us below minimum wage to play seven rugby so that's not even a viable option for finances like i'm doing my law in in the background just as a kind of safety net like so that's straight away just an example of like you know i have no job security so that's kind of a thing that stresses me but i'm enjoying my life so i'm just kind of going every day and getting through it and um so kind of the message i give back to these guys is like man like don't expect so much from yourself like I know I look like I'm really positive and have everything together but I don't I'm just trying my best every day and everyone can only kind of do that really yeah I suppose that's just the impact of social media and that people are foolish enough sometimes to think that what they see is the full picture obviously a lot of people just share highlights or like you said you consciously want to share positive vibes to help people but what's happening then like you just can't do anything right because what's happening then is people thinking that's you full time and there's no nuance there so do you feel like to, to kind of balance that, do you feel like you need to share? Like, look, I'm having a bit of a shit day just to get people to like realize that you're a human being or do you, would you rather just keep that privately? What I've kind of tried to do myself is, especially in the current climate with everyone that being at home and, and more susceptible to mental health, I think 
I try to only kind of put publicly out positive stuff and not trying to bring people down with neg- with any negativity. But if people would kind of message me, I'll try and get back to them and give them my personal story. Or a great way to kind of get across that you're not good all the time is having those questionnaires on Instagram and let people ask you questions and then you can publicly answer them. People don't know who's asked, but you can give your honest opinion. And it's like having a conversation with everyone. So that every couple of weeks kind of shows people that um, even though I've, I've portrayed that I'm I, everything's great and it's positive, it's not like that all the time. So you mentioned there that you obviously just installed some really good coping mechanisms to keep you quite calm um, as you came out of your teenage years. But then you went into Love Island, which I can only imagine having that kind of spotlight on you. It's the last thing on the planet someone like me would do because I get so much stress about thinking like someone doesn't like me. If I get one negative comment, I just fall apart. Like I haven't built that strength yet and I'm like nearly 33 and I don't know if I'm ever going to get there but surely that had to as, as fun as it was and as, as a lot of excitement and opportunities came along surely there was a, a bit of a dark side to having that many people's opinions in your face all the time of course like there is like there's so many positives but there's also so many negatives that just completely outweigh it or balance it out like even before you get selected to go into uh, Love Island you have to go through so many different meetings with therapists and they have to make sure you're mentally stable to go in and I'd said it's kind of a long story but I'll go through it anyway they got onto my Instagram and asked me to go to the interview so I went to the first couple and I kept getting through the rounds and then I got to the final interview and they offered me the starting lineup so you go in the first day and I was I said Les, I, I actually can't go in. Like, I'm sorry, I have rugby commitments. Like, I can't do the show. And they were like, so why did you bother, like, coming this far, like, going to the interviews? And I was like, to be honest, I didn't think you'd, I'd get this far and you'd offer me a place. I was just doing it for a bit of crack um, just to see what it was all about. So shook hands and I walked away. And then they rang me again a couple of weeks later asking me to go in. And I was like, look, I just can't make it work. I'm playing rugby until the 15th of July. And sure, that's only two weeks before the end of the show. It's not going to work. So they went away again and the show started. And then it got to about six weeks into the show and they, I got another call off them and they were like, look, we're pushed a deadline for you and we'll fly you in when you finish your rugby. Um, can you come in like on the night of the 15th from wherever you are? So they flew me from France to Love Island and I literally had ba- I barely any clothes with me. Like I kind of grabbed my roommate's clothes because um, I don't really have any that like nice fashionable stuff. So I had all his clothes and then I went into Love Island Grand flew across and it was all so last minute. And because my head was so concentrated on the rugby it was Olympic qualifier, so I was really focused on that. So it went from finishing that just straight over to into the villa within like 12 hours, like I was in the villa. So it was really like last minute and I didn't really have time to kind of process what was going on. So that's why the therapist kind of got on to me and she rang me and actually met me before I went into the villa and was like, I just want to make sure that you know what's going on here. Like it was just like the fifth time I met her and she was like, for the last couple of weeks, I know that you haven't been thinking about what's going to happen in this villa and what could happen afterwards. And she met with me before going in to like sign off for me to go into the villa to make sure my mental health was in the right place and that I knew what was going to happen. And then I went in, Grant, she signed off, let me go in. And you actually can meet with the therapist every day if you want, but you have to meet them like at least every three days just to kind of talk them through. So ITV do everything they can for you mental health wise. And people don't see it on the TV but literally at least two or three Islanders every single day break down in tears and have to go and see the therapist. Like they just can't hack it. So I presume when you're in there, you don't have social media. You haven't come out yet and faced the wrath of the public. No, no, you don't have any idea what's going on. Like you literally have only, that's your world inside that villa. It was, I went in and I was like, 
they were all asking me questions. So what's going on in the world? How many followers do I have? Like I told Tommy Fury that Tyson had won a fight and he was like, what? No way. Like they don't have no idea. I told him who won Wimbledon. Like they had no idea what was going on in the world. They're so, it's so secluded. And they're just, it's just the pressure of cameras and people. And you know, millions of people are watching you, but you don't know what they think of you. Um, so I was kind of fortunate in the sense that I was in there for such a short period of time that it didn't really build up for me. And halfway through, I actually got to go home and see my family because unfortunately my grandmother passed away. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's not great, but look, that's that's life anyway. So, and they luckily enough let me go home to the funeral. I went home with two bodyguards and came back. So I realistically, if you kind of put it on paper, I was only in there for six days, got to go home and see my family and then went back in for a week. Um, and then was gone again. And my parents came in during the second week for the parents day. So I was actually very lucky in a sense that I was kind of kept close to my family, my friends and therapists all the time. What was it like though coming out? My whole world just got flipped upside down. Like it was, you have no idea until you get out just how crazy the the show was and how popular it was, which is great, but it's just like overwhelming. And people must assume, like, if you choose, if you proactively go and put yourself on that show, there's sort of like an acceptance that you're now there for the taking. People can pass judgment. They can consume you, I suppose. Did you feel that? Oh, completely. Yeah. People fully think they kind of own you because essentially they've made your popularity, which I can I can in some way see their point. But that's just not it's just not humane. What like people be message me and on Instagram and they say, um, Greg, I you should be using your platform for this. I'm going to appreciate you putting this on your platform and blah, blah, blah. Like they think they own my platform. And when I, the whole thing kind of happened then that I decided that I was going home to what I was doing before I went into Love Island, like I'm back to my rugby and back to my studies um, because my thought process was that's what got me onto the show. And that's what I, I've done in my life. And I'm not going to throw it all away just because I won a show and was on a TV for two weeks. So I, I ended up not staying with Amber and that went down like a bag of bricks. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine like, cause I suppose like when I watch reality TV show and like, cause I've been like glued to Hey You since I had the baby cause I have nothing else to do. You think like you're in the room with them that you're pals, you know, and you get so invested. What was the hardest moment for you or where did you feel like, do you know what? This is going to tread into dodgy territory here for my own well-being. So the only time when it started turning negatively for me was when I decided to go home to Ireland and not not pursue the relationship with Amber. Like I didn't I decided not to bring it to boyfriend girlfriend level because I was like, it's just not going to work. I have so much stuff going on back here. I'm trying to get to the Olympics. She's over in the UK doing her things. Everyone's watching her every step. There's too much pressure. Like we barely know each other. We know each other two weeks. And I, I just like if you think about it, it's like you going on holidays, meeting someone and having a really nice holiday with them. And then you go both flying home and not seeing each other and change your life forever yeah and, and that's it and the problem was just millions of people were watching the relationship and I just decided you know what the safer thing to do now and the best decision for me and for her because I couldn't give her what she wanted I was like I'm just going to go home and go back to what I was doing and try and take every kind of opportunity that comes around my life um and then obviously people didn't like that because as you said they get so invested and they feel like they know you and you owe them something and it just like Honestly, the whole thing just blew up and I was getting like death threats sent to me. What? People like crazy stuff, like people step by step telling me how I should go. Um, like it's very dark, but kill myself. God almighty. And when I started like blocking them and things like that, they started getting onto my family and tell, 
messaging my mother horrific stuff my sister's horrific stuff my mates were getting messages being like you should shoot your friend in the back of the head oh like he's like oh my god it was horrific did it make you regret going on just because i mean you just get a taster of the absolute levels of craziness that exists in the world i never regretted going on but i probably was not ready for how nuts people can be like and what people can actually generate just from typing on a keypad like i was just young girls from from britain messaging me at like to like throw myself off balconies and things like that like into like oh my god it's just where are they even coming up with these telling you to throw yourself off a balcony yeah like crazy stuff like telling my mom that she's giving birth to a little prick like all this stuff oh my god and you must have gotten some amount of like declarations of love as well from people that could probably be just as scary yeah, and then there's that side of it. Then there's people that would message you being like, look, I oh, really appreciate you being so honest with and going back to what you're doing before. So it's a balancing act. And the thing was, if you're not kind of stable in yourself and have your own processes to kind of calm yourself down and have good people around you, that could completely like oh, just throw, like, throw you over the edge. And for instance, we probably shouldn't get into it too deep, but obviously there's been a few like uh, deaths by suicide through Love Island show. So that's kind of just shows you that if you don't have your kind of your balance, it can really get at you. Um, so I was lucky enough to have really close friends and really good family. And I can kind of, and a weird thing that I kind of say about it is that, so for instance, I've been playing rugby and been playing with rugby teams for my whole life and locker room banter can get very dark and cut you very deep. So you kind of build a thick skin to slagging. And I feel like, because I've had that coming up and slagging with the lads and things like that, I'm kind of used to getting slags to a certain extent, but then that also bonds you and gets you really good friends. So like all the lads would come around me then and support me and things like that. So I re- was really lucky to have that kind of environment around me. And I think that kind of really stood to me when this was happening. And like, say for instance, to put a stat on it, Caroline, like when I was moving home to Ireland, I had 1.7 million followers or just under 1.7. And now I have a million. So that's 700,000 people unfollow me like that's that's the kind of figures of how pissed off people were with me that i decided not to follow the the normal of island path like but look i'm happy myself and my decisions you know hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
And how, I mean, like I get nervous, like if I go up in a couple of hundred followers, as much as it's kind of a little bit exciting, I'm always like, shit, that's a couple of hundred more people who might not like something you say today, or you might just put your foot wrong. I don't think we're supposed to have access to that many people. Like back in the day, we would have our tribe, our village, you know, maybe you'd piss off one person, you'd get over it. You have the entire world there at the click of a finger. It's it's not normal. Like I don't know anyone who could cope with it. So apart from just being surrounded by really, you know, like you said, really solid mates and your family and knowing, look, these are the people who matter. Did you have to put boundaries in place? Like, do you, do you read comments? Do you feel like when you go and tweet something that you think might be controversial and you know you're probably going to get some opinions, do you go looking at it? Because I recently, this is so trivial and this is so nowhere near on the level of what you're at, but um. I had heard that like someone had written these horrible threads that women take part in where like these forums where they just bitch about people who like are in the public eye. And I had had a really hard time after I had my baby and I was in hospital and I was sharing like, this is really difficult. And if you're struggling, it's okay. You know, I, I am too. And people were saying all kinds of nasty comments while I was still in the hospital. And I couldn't even thankfully bring myself to go and look at them because I just thought if I fall down that rabbit hole, I don't know how I'll get myself out. I can only imagine the level that you would be at for something like that. Do you just put a block there? Oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. Jeez, I'm very sorry. While you're laying in the hospital bed, that was all going on. Yeah, it was like, did she just get a private room so she could go on Instagram? And Jesus, she's not the first person to ever have a baby and all this stuff. Talking about kicking someone when they're down. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't get over that. That nearly seems worse than mine. Like, because that's like, you're you're giving birth to someone. Like, what do they want you to do? Like, I'd be kind of similar enough to you that's actually very strong out of you, the fact that you didn't go and d- jump into that rabbit hole and get, get caught up in all that stuff. And the problem was when all my hate started coming and all my death threats and all that stuff started coming, I did delve into it. And I'd be in the depths of comments on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter, reading horrible stuff about myself. And initially I was like, oh, I'm tough. It kind of doesn't really affect me, whatever. But then I noticed after a while, I was feeling really down on myself and I started getting like less confident and things like that. And obviously it was having like more of a subconscious effect to me, just reading constant negative stuff about yourself. Like you are what you surround yourself by and what you read and what you see. So obviously it was getting at me. So then I decided just to cut it out and I've stopped looking at negative comments and replies. Um, like say if I start reading a message and I can tell that it's going to be a negative one, I stop it and I don't read it anymore. I don't look at my... Um, stats on my Instagram anymore because I just know that it's like going down all the time because I'm not giving people the Love Island content that they want I'm giving them my actual life so that obviously they're going to unfollow me because I'm not giving them what they want so I've stopped looking at that because I'm it's just not healthy to be like oh Greg 2,000 people unfollowed you today do you know what I mean I would literally feel like down in the dumps and it's so hard to separate your sense of self-worth from those measurable metrics which are such bollocks anyway <laughs> such bollocks is the right term for it yeah and then for instance my family and the closest people to me would talk to me and they'd be like yeah great okay 2,000 people unfollowed you today but you just see 1,200 people did follow you like so they're like you're you've molded your brand and your personality and you've showed your life on on Instagram and like the genuine people that want to follow you and support you and and that believe in you are following your life like so yeah well they're there now because you're being as true to yourself as you can be so you know you're gonna have to lose a couple of hundred thousand who just want salacious gossipy crap so the closer you get to your most authentic self i suppose the the less chance there is for anxiety there in terms of social media that's it exactly yeah and to put it kind of in your context and when you were sitting lying in the hospital bed and giving all that crap off people which i can't believe they were doing that but i'm sure you were getting lovely loads of messages oh, as, yeah. as well and like people were like oh congratulations all that stuff so it's kind of taking both of them really isn't it 
Yeah, but like we have to also be aware of the fact that like we have, and I've talked about this in the podcast a few times, we naturally come with a negativity bias and it's for our survival. We've been primed to hone right in on one negative thing because back in hunter-gatherer times, if you fail to notice a threat or something negative, you could get eaten by a line. So we've placed so much more importance on that because we think it's going to affect our chances of survival. And, you know, if something good happened in the day, like if you managed to hunt down a wildebeest and have a nice dinner, that was great, but it wasn't a life or death situation. So positives don't have as much impact on us, unfortunately, as negatives. And that's never going to change. We're hardwired to be that way. So I think you have to allow for that. I don't know anyone who wouldn't be impacted by that level of negativity. And then just realize that that's what's happening. That's the hardware you're dealing with. And I suppose just then try and nudge yourself towards something more positive or something that really matters to you. Yeah, I, I actually read into all that um, and it's very interesting you bring that up because I, I was like, why am I so focused on the one negative comment in the middle of a hundred good ones? And I can't remember who was a celebrity, but some celebrity was interviewed, some reality TV star, and they were asked the question and they were like, I used to find myself replying to the one negative comment in the middle of a hundred and not replying to the 99 other people that have said nice things to me. And I was like, why am I giving my energy to this one negative person when 99 people are being lovely to me? And that really kind of resonated with me. And I was like, that's so true. Like, and then I've obviously read into your, what you've said there and that it's just an innate thing that we kind of focus on negativity for a survival instinct. And that's probably what is so dangerous about social media nowadays is that I feel so sorry for young teenagers that are coming up and on social media is their life like everything's on it and it's so dangerous that they're just naturally going to go towards negativity negative comments and um, I'm kind of glad I grew I just missed the, the boat and growing up with social media because I think that's just such a scary idea and I hope that humans will adapt and kind of get over that negativity thing but as you're saying there you don't think that will happen. I don't think so. I think we'll probably just evolve, probably take a couple of hundred years, so we'll be long gone. But you were saying on Ireland AM that the further away you get from the experience of Love Island, the better you feel you are at kind of wrapping it up and putting a a bow on it and saying that was one experience and here I am now. Do you feel different now? Yes, I do feel different from when I first came out of the show, just because... Everyone kind of recognized me walking down the street. Everyone wanted a bit of me for a few weeks, but I just knew that it wasn't like, there was no substance to it and there was no longevity for it. So um, I kind of was welcoming this kind of period of time when I kind of got a bit away from it and people cared about other people and other things. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I haven't taken opportunities from it. I've completely taken like certain deals and I've gotten presenting jobs and I've gotten brand deals and I've gotten a platform now to speak up about things that I care about. So both sides have come from it, but I'm definitely kind of happy that the initial craziness um, has kind of worn off because it's just, it's, it's, it's not normal for someone that it wasn't really kind of ready for it, you know, but I did, I did accept it and I did um, decide to go in there. So uh, I'll take everything from it. Yeah. Yeah. And can I ask you, obviously the nature of the show is like romantic and stuff and everyone takes a very like vested interest in your relationship status. Then does it make you, and you don't have to tell me anything personal, but does it add a level, I suppose, of stress or anxiety in terms of approaching relationships now that you're out of it? Because will the whole world want a piece of it? Yeah, um, relationships is a, w- a weird one for me now because everyone kind of wants to know who I'm seeing, what I'm doing relationship wise, because that's obviously what the show is about. Like, so that's why people kind of know me. So yeah, I've kind of been very private with that side of my life. And there was kind of something getting to uh, something more stable before COVID came in. Um, but obviously now restrictions got in the way and that kind of died off. So who knows what's going to happen when restrictions lift? I'll get back into the, to the dating game and maybe try something. 
but not even just people's opinions about the relationship, but even the person that you would start a relationship with has to, I suppose, know that this is going to come as part of the package. Yeah, there's probably that side of things as well, um, which I kind of really haven't haven't delved into yet or haven't had the opportunity to kind of chat with, say, say a normal girl that I know from back home. If I started talking to her, like that would have to come up in conversation. But then if I, I talk to a, a different girl who's kind of in the public eye, that would probably be an easier conversation because she's used to it. So um, we'll, we'll see what plays out. Like um, I'm kind of just kind of doing my own thing at the moment. And when COVID restrictions lift, we'll, we'll see what happens in that side of my life, you know? Yeah, well, you can't do anything for the time being anyway. Yeah. Come here, I wanted to ask you about rugby. So I did a podcast with Ed Madigan before and he was very like you and saying like, I don't really have anxiety, but I was like, no, no, you just are so good at managing it. Sometimes it's nice for people to hear from someone who isn't just like in bits, <laughs> like, <laughs> me, like the rest of people on the podcast. Um, and I'm only messing there. But with the rugby and you, you know, you talk a lot about the Olympics and everything, it's such a level of high achievement and perfectionism. If you don't hit that level of perfectionism, if you don't make the Olympics, are you able to separate yourself words from that? Like, how is that going to impact you? Obviously, I hope you do, and I you have every chance of getting there. But do you find that the rugby and the professionalism there um, helps you cope better in life outside of rugby? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think sport in general um, really helps you with kind of uh, developing yourself and kind of coming up with those processes for dealing with like stress. For example, example, like Ian Madigan, like you mentioned there, he obviously has a really high level of stress to deal with being the kicker of the team. Like, do you know what I mean? Like performance anxiety is probably through the roof for him. Oh my God. Like think about that when he's placing up a kick, like there's hundreds of thousands of people watching him. Do you know what I mean? And he has to go through his process. He's obviously come up with a way with doing that. But for me, we're kind of the same thing in in a a rugby sense and professional sense, because you have to, be able to perform on the pitch with tens of thousands of people watching you, even even more than that. So that kind of helps develop your coping mechanisms. And for instance, then before I get up in the morning now, I always have a process where I kind of do a stretch. I write down things I'm grateful for, I write down what I want to do for the day. And that really kind of just sets me up for the day. And I don't know if that's come from being regimented from training or if that's just kind of something that came naturally, but I feel like they've kind of married nicely into each other. I feel like sport has really helped me in in that sense. But also the other thing that to do with sport, especially professional sport, is that Ian would probably be the same and that I really identify as a rugby player and my whole life since I've been a teenager up till now has been so focused on being a professional rugby player and now trying to get to the Olympics. So I am probably kind of a little bit concerned about where my identity is going to come from when I finish playing rugby, if I don't get to the Olympics, if I don't reach my potential, which is probably a nervous um, area for me to be in, but uh, that's just me being open and honest. And I kind of slightly happened to a certain extent when, so I used to play 15s rugby and I was in the Munster Academy for four, four years. And like, I wanted to play for Munster rugby more than I wanted to play for Ireland. Like, it's just, I wanted to do that. That was it for me. Like had posters on my wall, everything written down. I wanted to do it. And then I had a big accident on a bicycle in, in the summer of 2015 and I lacerated my Achilles tendon and um yeah it was it was a freak accident and my leg was ruined and I it it just didn't work out with with Munster I rehabbed for a year and then I just obviously wasn't back I wasn't like a working athlete for them like so um and it's business at the end of the day so I had to move on and the sevens picked me up so that was a really tough time for me in that I kind of lost everything that I've been working for for a couple of years and it just wasn't there for me anymore. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, that's all I ever wanted in life. So I really kind of struggled to transition my my identity into the seven side of things and now trying to get to the Olympics. And now there's the Love Island stuff. 
and things like that. So it's interesting to see where it's going to go in the next couple of years, because I couldn't even tell you what I'm going to be doing in a year's time. But um, I have a lot of options, I have a lot of things going on, and um, I'm excited to see what will happen. Absolutely. I saw a quote that you said something that was the best advice you were ever given and it was control the controllables. And I love that. I'm like kind of taken straight from stoicism, you know, where we have to let go of what we can't control because that's where a lot of stress and anxiety comes from, you know, whether it's the pandemic or, you know, so we can, we can't really control what happens to us, but we can control our reaction to it. Is that like a life motto for you to control the controllables? Tell me a little bit about that. And how do you remind yourself of that daily? Yeah, control the controllables is something my father said to me and my team and we were only a school's boy team and I remember he said it in a meeting we had before a match and he was just like control the controllables um in relation to like only your prep and your skills and your prep for the match you can't do anything about the opposition and I kind of took that and I kind of applied it into everyday life in that you can only control what you can control like and for instance there was a I'll go into like a, a an ex-girlfriend story there was a I had an ex-girlfriend and she broke up with me like after four years over a phone call and that was it gone blocked her and everything couldn't get a communicate with her in any way she was just gone and it turns out other stuff had happened behind the scenes that kind of came out six months later but I literally couldn't get in contact with her she was gone and struggling with the fact that I couldn't control the situation I couldn't communicate with her I couldn't figure out what was going on I really got, got to a, a kind of a weird place and the control of controllables kind of really helped me get out of that and that I can only control my own life. I can't control what she's doing. And I kind of got back into myself and figuring out Greg and what Greg needs to do to get myself right. And I did that. Turns out six months down the line that she was up to other stuff behind my back and I could never control that. So that phrase control the controllables really is applicable in, in today's life as well with restrictions. You can only do what you can do for your for your own life and you can't control other people or, or other things. Really. I know, like it's just definitely, you know, something to live by as we get older and in every, like you say, in every aspect of life. Before I let you go, Greg, you're 25 right now, are you? I'm 25, yeah. Oh my God, you're a baby. So <laughs> I still think that I'm like 23 or something. I can't believe I'm actually like an old woman now, basically. An old mother. Old woman, will you go ahead? An old mother. <laughs> an old married woman. Oh God. But come here, advice for a fellow 25-year-old, male in particular, who might be listening, because a lot of women will publicly say, love this podcast, you know, talking about anxiety. A lot of men will privately message me saying that podcast really helped me. So they're much more quiet about it, much more introverted about having any struggles and I'm sure looking at you like you mentioned earlier seeing all that you've achieved where you're at in life and your unyielding positivity there will probably be a tendency for people to fall into like a social comparison trap to think that oh like look at Greg and and look at me what's one thing you would say to them to help them change their perspective or what's kind of parting words of wisdom you could leave them with there's definitely this kind of weird stigma in society that men aren't allowed to kind of seem to be struggling men have to be really tough and just kind of get through it and don't be emotional which I feel like is slightly starting to change now and men are allowed to open up and talk about and be emotional so what I would say to a 25 year old man my age is that don't put too much pressure on yourself I was like what I would do is I'd set the big goal where you want to get to say in five years and then work back from that and what you have what you can you do this week what can you do tomorrow to start doing baby steps to get to that main goal and don't just be like looking at for instance me and be like oh I want to have what Greg has there do you know what I, mean? I want to have what this guy has there like you need to kind of concentrate on your own life and what you can do each day to get towards that big goal and don't just be trying to jump straight away to the to that big end goal it's about everyday processes and the other thing is be aware of your own feelings your own mental health and take breaks like you're allowed to relax just because you're this 
big man that's supposed to be tough and and going all the time and, and succeeding doesn't mean you're not allowed to take breaks like and, and treat yourself and relax and and take time for yourself especially in today's world it's a tough world out there and we need to mind ourselves first and foremost Greg, thank you so much. That's just such amazing advice. I think people will get so much from this podcast. I know you were a bit wary at the beginning about, you know, offending someone with anxiety, but I think hopefully you come away with a bit of better understanding of how to manage it for yourself and even like the difference between a bad day and like getting to that point of it taking over. So I know a lot of people will benefit so much from this. So I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you're super busy with all that's going on, even in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks very much for having me on. I definitely did learn some stuff there. That whole thing about the spectrum, um, a lot of food for thought there, and I'm going to look into it a bit more, but I've really enjoyed this chat. Thanks very much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.